good evening everybody to put some comments on um a few on there at the moment um welcome to another sunday night live um vanessa i don't know where she is i've sent her a, a message but uh, anyway it's just uh, elaine and myself at the moment and our friend jared may from indiana hello steph hello leslie Ah, oh, there's your manager, or my manager, Leslie. Hello, Jared. Hi, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> um, from Indiana, who's going to um, tell us everything about the uh, runes? <laughs> well, well, we'll try to tell you everything. I well, don't. I don't, don't want to put you on the spot. Nobody knows everything. So. <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh God, a little cold somewhere about. Um, so yeah, welcome. And, yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Any questions? Hello, Lynn. Uh, any questions? You know what to do. So, Jared, usual thing. I always ask this. But how did you get into this? Ooh, that's a that's quite a hefty question. <clears throat> um, I always had uh, a lot of questions when I was younger. Um, this that that questioning really started around the age of ten or eleven, and I was raised in in a Christian home. Um, you know, went went to church, did all the fun stuff, and I started really kind of exploring outside of that realm around that time, ten, eleven years old. And I was always an avid reader, so I read the Lord of the Rings, um, probably around fifth, sixth grade. And at the end of the Return of the King, they give a glossary appendix of all of these different things, including a set of runes in there that were used as the Dwarven language. He adapted them uh, from the Northumbrian or Anglo-Saxon Futhark. And so I, I kind of was intrigued by that. I tried to write in it, never really understood what was going on because I my child brain couldn't understand why the letters didn't look the same as the English letters that I was used to. Uh, so I put that aside in the literary and you know, continued my reading adventure and questioning of life and whatnot. And uh, around the age of 12, so not, not too long after, I came across this book series uh, called The Forbidden Game. And it was written by the same woman that wrote The Vampire Diaries, if you're familiar with that series. Um, but in it, this the main character, she ends up having to, she gets sucked into this game with her friends and um, in her uncle's attic. And it turns out her uncle was a, um, what I now know would be called a Vitki or rune shaman or rune magician. So there were all of these tools, all these runes, all these symbols that she had to work with to fight the devil in this game. And the author gave a very loose knit description as to what they were, what they meant, um, some of it was accurate. Some of it was her own interpretation. Some of it was just plain wrong. Um, but either way, it put me into this mode where I could go online, which was in its infancy. So there wasn't a lot of information in 1994, 1995 on the internet that I could look these things up. Um, so I found what I did, went out to the store, like any good practicing beginning pagan and bought a bunch of books. Um, one of which was called the healing runes because I always wanted, I, I liked the aspect of healing. And it was uh, the book by Ralph Bloom. 
came with a, you know, a rune set, ceramic runes, all that stuff. Picked it up, really excited, tried to cast, try to read what it meant. No clue. Didn't make any sense. And I put them aside. You know, I'd, I'd look at the letter value and like write the names of my textbooks and stuff like that in runes because I was the weird kid that did that. Um, but other than that, I didn't have much in there, but I knew it was important. So as I continued to grow and get older, they'd come back into my life every once in a while. And same thing. I try to understand it, try to work with the divination. Never understood it. Couldn't hear them. Um, and then from there, I, you know, focused more on my university training, uh, uh, moving into culinary arts and nutrition and dietetics and, and that area of, of, of health and healing and nourishing the body. And it would constantly come back at me to the point where I was seeing them on, you know, traffic signs and I'd be reading a book and something would go, Oh, that's an X Gabo. And I get these flashes of inspiration to continue moving in that direction. And I would find that when I would hit my lowest peak in life and, or if something was wrong or something was going on that bothered me, that that's where I would end up turning and try to relearn them and try to learn them in general. So it wasn't until maybe, well, eight years, eight, nine years ago when we moved out to Indiana and I was here by myself, we were going through a lot of weird custody things um, with my stepson and my wife. And I was like, oh, I feel compelled to move back into this. How do I start working with them on this magical level and not just understanding them as a whole? Um, so I did that for a couple of years and then broke away from it. And then about a year before COVID, um, I came across my uh, friend and, and teacher's podcast about the runes. And within three episodes of listening to it, 100% unlocked what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And I was able to understand their messages, understand what they meant. And some of that may have just been that I was older and had more experience. Some of it also may have been, hey, it's time. And from that point on, I reached out to, uh, to him and um, we've been working together and you know, become close. And he's been uh, a really great inspiration and allowed me to truly hear and access and learn um, from the runes. I mean, I've got a friend, or she might be on here watching. She might be later. And we've worked, done like uh, some some work together. And I've watched, I can't get, I couldn't understand it. And then she sat me down a couple of times. And I was, I was a bit like the tarot cards. I don't really understand it. But I'm fascinated by the way you work with those stones i suppose it's called stones but uh, they can be put onto anything and that'll mm-hmm. probably be a question that'll come up here at some point <laughs> <laughs> but. yeah so i mean you know i don't know if everyone knows what they look like have you got any rooms with you uh i do actually just, just, i always carry them oh yes yeah. um, one of the newer sets that i've i've made it's on birch the one that i choose to use is probably the second set i made and it's on uh, Japanese cherry out of my yard. And it's not a traditional wood by any means, um, but it speaks to me on a spiritual level. I believe that I held some past life memories and whatnot in, uh, in feudal Japan. And it kind of helps me link those parts of myself together and weave them together. So 
I'm trying to think what she showed me. But when, so when you, you you lay the runes out, do you as anything? No specific order. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? It depends. Uh, some oh, okay. people some people choose to read them. Oops, sorry. I keep trying to find a comfortable spot. Uh, some people choose to read them as you would tarot, and they'll use an actual spread. Uh, and there are different rune spreads, and you can make your own and all of those things, depending on the question that you are looking for, the information and guidance that you're trying to, to find. Um, and then there's casting. And everybody casts a little different as well. Casting is, if you're familiar with bone casting or whatnot, it's basically taking the, the set and throwing them. And what lands within a certain area lands within a certain area. Some may be eliminated. Some may be read with higher intensity than others. It just kind of depends on what you're, what you're training and what you feel called to do. Um, I prefer casting. I don't do well with spreads. I feel that it's too limiting, and the story doesn't come across the way that it's meant to, to come across. Um, but my casting as well is all done in the bag. So my, I basically will dip my hand in grab a bunch of them, shake them through my fingers until nothing else is falling through. Sometimes it's one left in there. Sometimes it's 10. It's just kind of what needs to be told. And then they're released onto a, uh, a casting cloth and I interpret them as they fall. Okay. And each one of those runes has a different symbol. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like the tarot, what do you got about 70 cards? Is it? I don't know. Um, you have to learn. You, I don't know how many how many symbols in the runes, but you've got to look. Uh, I talk to the devil. She's just she's, come on, Joe, and um, you've got to learn all those symbols, haven't you? Absolutely. And then I suppose together as as the um, uh, yeah. But this is Joe. She's just tuned in. She's oh. the one that tried to show me, but I still haven't got a clue. <laughs> and, so uh, there is a lot of symbolism that goes into it, and. Um, depending on what there's a lot of commonality between everything. And then there's a lot of difference between everything as well. I think the most important and, and um, the most important way to look at it is through the lens of the stories that were told and the runes, according to Scandinavian uh, lore that's recorded by Snorri Snorrelson in the Edas is that Othan uh, hanged himself from the world tree, Yidrasil, where the tree that connects all of us together. He hanged himself there um, for, I think it was nine days. And during that time, he was pierced by his own spear, very similar to some other stories that we know. And it enlightened him to the point where he was able to rip open part of the void, part of the Gnunyagat, where everything that's hidden is revealed. And the story says he grabbed a, stuck his hand in, grabbed a bunch of whatever was in there and out came the runes. Now he took those runes back with him after he uh, came off of the tree and gave them to Freya, Freya, some, some might say. And with them, she was able to incorporate them into the practice of Saith. And Saith is this magic system. It's the the healer, the mystic of uh, the Norse area. It comes from uh, Sami traditions. Um, and then from there, she deciphered that, learned how to work with them, learned how to read them, and then taught Odin along alongside with that. 
Now, there are others that have different philosophies about that. Some say that Odin flat out just stole the runes and he wasn't supposed to have them at all. But either way, we still have been gifted them. Now, that also being said that there are many, many others who knows where they are. They haven't revealed themselves yet. Um, he was able to collect X amount of them. And that's where we get the mystical side of it. And then there's also the historical literary side of it as well. So with the runes, can you let's take mediumship, for example, I get my messages from the other side. Mm -hmm. Can you do the same with the runes or is it all future? So the, the runes don't necessarily predict the future. Um, okay. And that's uh, that can be a common misconception. Some people are able to gain some flashes and some inspiration from that. But like tarot, it offers guidance and uh, potential pathways that one can take. And if you take pathway A, it's likely that this might happen. If you take B, this might happen. It kind of gives us some options. And ideas in in how to look within ourselves. What do we experience when we think about these messages that are coming across to us? How does it make that feel? Sometimes we're put very realistic things that come forward that we decided to not deal with, or we decided to overlook. Other times it's super mundane, like go get your car fixed. Uh, I've had that come up a couple times and <laughs> ignored it. My battery died. So it, sometimes you get, uh, you know, get messages such as that, but it's very, it's not necessarily as much a fortune telling device or future or anything like that. Um, I have used them to link myself to the other side. Um, there are other practices that I go through to do that um, more clearly on occasions. I'll get some flashes but I, that's why I don't consider myself a medium or, or anything like that. Because when I, when I do attempt to go into that realm and, and call forth that type of energy, I have to be in a journey state. Um, I have to be in trance, all of those things to, to move into working in that realm. Interesting. Interesting. Elaine, she's got some questions for you. Because she's got her runes with her. I have. I purposely brought some. <laughs> um, I did do a Google search. Everyone, please forgive me. I'm not really up with all this. It interests me, but it doesn't jump out and grab me. My husband's the one that's more going to be into this. I read that the rune stones were from the Viking era. So the rune stones that they're referring to are kind of like grave markers. And they were stones that were erected that have the written language of the runes on them. And some of them have stories of, of the Adas and, and the Asir and Vanir gods. Um, some of them have phrases such as, here lies John, he was a jerk. Um, you know, and it's, they're just that mundane because the runes were also a system of writing. And each one holds a different phonetic sound. So that's why uh, in Iceland, they may have written, uh, I'm trying to think of a word that might work in that. I can't think of one right now. If they pronounced the D as a soft TH, but over in Germany, it was pronounced as a hard D, 
they may use the same rune. They may use a different rune because that's what coordinated their sounds. So that's why you get some controversy as to what letters and what characters get used um, throughout. But they, they were a system of writing, first and foremost. And Odin in the lore is listed as a, a god of communication and language, poetry. And there's a lot of connections between him and... Um, Hermes Trismegistus and Mercury and, and all of those connections into to there as well. So the runes are definitely a system of writing as much as they are. Now we, uh, magical workings. We don't see the use of the runes in magic as we know it until about 1970. Um, up until then, the only information that we have that links the runes into magical workings is in the Adas. And it talks about knowing the, the runes to heal, knowing the runes to um, ensure victory in battle, knowing these runes. There's some spell work involved. There's a story in there of somebody who doesn't know the runes trying to create a spell to heal his wife, and it makes her sicker. So a Vitki shows up, and somebody familiar with the runes, and says, well, you're doing that wrong and replaces them with the runes that will heal and allow, and creates that going. So there, there are elements of using them in, in magical practice, but when it comes to what we, we know today, there's very little evidence. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I'd have thought that, you know, magic, mm -hmm. when I first saw them, you know, um, I mean, people probably do about the tarot cards, and they do, I think, what I do, you know, but I, I saw the runes. But you're probably right about the 70s. I think mm -hmm. I first saw, yeah, probably, I think a magazine came out in the, in the 70s and, and with, with a rune kit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's not very long, is it, really? No. And now that doesn't mean that that energy hasn't always been in there. Mm. The, a lot of these cultures, and when we look at, at the Druids, we look at, um, you know, any of the areas that uh, Rome conquered at one point, None of them had written language. So everything that we know about them came from um, either Tacitus, Caesar, um, you know, any of these authors that would have come through there and recorded that information. So the information that we hold from ancient Germania, um, from northern England and so forth, is all sided towards Rome. So they wouldn't have been privy to a lot of these practices. Now, personally, I believe that... Um, I hold a lot of animistic values. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a full-fledged animist at this time as I'm still learning and integrating and trying to change my mindset. But the runes are spirits. And these chips, these pieces, the stones, the wood, whatever it is that we carve their name in, that symbol, that's a home for them to come visit when we need them to come forward and offer us information. Now, that's my personal point of view. Others are going to have different, uh, different beliefs and values as well. Fascinating. So there's always there's always been magic involved in my my recollection and mm -hmm. my UPG, um, but I also believe that they are a language as well. You know, and that's what we know them. If we didn't have that language, we wouldn't possibly be privy to them at all. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think I probably would have thought about magic, but, you know, but uh, nothing wrong with that, is there? No, we like a bit of mystery, don't we? And, um, you know, uh, so if you, and I'm not asking for 
any messages or anything. So if you pulled out a room from your your bag now, see, I'm fascinated with this, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you pulled out a room now, could you say, I don't know, this oh, is okay. going to happen to me or... Well, I mean, I can find out if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, I'm just... I'm, they're all be saying, there he goes, look, he's fishing for messages now. No, I'm not. I'm just, uh, I'm just fascinated by it. Same as, same with the cards, I suppose. It's, um... I got two for you, actually. <laughs> First one to come through is Uru's. Uru's right. is a rune of, a rune of strength. It's uh, related to the ancient Auroch, um, which is now extinct. So there's some elements of extinction in there as well. The next one I got is Avaz. Avaz is the rune of the horse. And with horse, we get movement. We also get trust and that sort of thing. So what I'm hearing for this is there's been recently a situation that you've come across that you're not trusting your instinctual nature behind. I don't believe that it has to do with work. I do believe that it's more connected to financial, which is interesting. Um, and you're not trusting what you're hearing inside. You're not allowing yourself to trust your gut, you know, is really what that comes down mm -hmm. to. When we think about situations, when we think about how we process information, we should be putting it through three different places. We should put it through our ego or intellect, but also through our heart space of intuition and then our sacral place of instinct and i'm hearing that you're spending too much time up here thinking about this situation um, and not enough time focusing on those other truths that are in there as well does this make sense is this resonating at all yeah i spend a lot of time doing this sort of stuff mm -hmm. um but sometimes you think <laughs> I probably spend too much time wasting my time, really. Uh, but I think a lot of people do that. So yeah, maybe there was a there is a there there is a point there. Hmm. I mean, on off off camera, we were talking earlier about viewership, hmm. and a lot of that oftentimes comes from sponsorship as well. Yeah, and I don't know if that's something that you've been looking into and looking at sponsoring posts, looking at sponsoring these things. But the idea behind that would be to trust your instinct. You know, sometimes it seems like a hefty amount of money, but what do you gain in return for that? Well, it's funny because I got a thing from uh, YouTube came up the other day about Patreons. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, what's all this about? And uh, I kind of let it go. But it's there. Yeah. Because it's the same thing that's still sponsorship. Mm -hmm. It might um, be worth looking into. It might be. Elaine, there's a job for you this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, no, that is, that's, that is, I'm not, that's not a joke. I think it's probably Tuesday. It just flashed up. And I thought, oh, what's all this about? So, yeah, spot on there, Rowan. Because someone asked me, do we call you Rowan or? So we uh, either one is fine. I mean, it, Jared is my, my muggle name, I guess, if you want to refer to it as. And, yeah. Um, Rowan. Rowan Wolf is a name that I have connections with. The Rowan is um, one of my spiritual teaching trees, and the Wolf has been um, one of my guides for a very long time. We have a very close relationship. 
Well, you were spot on there, mate. Bang on. I'll still look into that. And, and what now, if I was picking up that, you said the it, the horse, but to me, you see, that's just like an M, right? So, you've, you've got to learn quite a lot, haven't you, really? Because so I and, picked that up, so that's an M, and you say, No, it's a horse, yeah. And what's even crazier is that phonetic sound is actually eh, as in a short E, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, I think just, I just think had a little see. bit more challenge. I think I'll stick to what I'm doing because I'm quite lazy as well. But you know, people watching this tonight. I mean, I know Joe. She she she, she does the the rooms, and uh, she sat me down a few times and asked us, oh, I, know, "I can't get the hang of this." Yeah, you oh, can you can read them at face yeah. value, and you yeah. know, horse um, also denotes to movement, and mm. that's what you'll that keyword you'll see a lot in conjunction with Avas, and. Well, what does movement mean? It means to, of course, go from one place to another. You yeah. know, uh, some people may see it in reverse and say, "Oh, it's stagnation. You're not moving. You're stuck where you are." Um, and then there is really gaining that that connection with the runes, bonding that with them, dedicating um, your life to their messages, and working with them. And that's when some intricacies start to open up a little bit more that maybe aren't there for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like tarot or any other medium. You have to really connect yourself to that to start gaining different messages. Anyone can mm-hmm. pick them up and read with them without, you know, without training, without a doubt. Um, you, you know, you're taking a lot of those messages at face value and that's where it becomes very difficult for people. That's where they give up. But people that I find have that connection and really hear them are the ones that are able to relay these, these messages that other people may not, may not get. Uh, I know you make your own runes, you know, your own, but does that take, oh, it must take quite a long time to to, to carve them out yourself or. Uh, So I do burn them into the the wood. Yeah. Um, It can. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, Excuse me. Uh, It depends who the set is for. Um, I don't like mass produce my sets. When I gain an order, uh, that set is cut and sanded and burned and stained or not stained for that specific person. The runes are never burned in a specific order. Like I, basically we'll draw them on there and pull them out of a bag and burn them in that order. You know, sometimes I, before I even draw them, I have um, my digital rune bag. I call it, it's a, a playlist on Spotify of Vardruna and a couple other bands that have music dedicated and, and honoring each of the runes. And I'll play that. And if the song for La Cour or La Goose comes on, then that's the rune that I'm creating at that time. I just stick my hand in the bag and pull out a random piece. That's the piece that that rune is meant to be on for that person. Very interesting. Any questions, Elaine? I'm sure you have. (laughs) Um, (laughs) For someone just starting out with the runes, have you any suggestions of who to look up to help you guide through? Yeah. um, Books are always going to be your best friend. 
Um, my, my teacher's podcast is awesome. Rune walking in modern times. Um, his is a little heady. Uh, it's that next, that next level. Um, Lisa Chamberlain and Diana Paxson, um, beginning runes for beginners and then taking up the runes in that order would be two really great sources. Uh, if anything, there's probably more sources to avoid it's or easier to, to tell you which sources to avoid. And it's not because the information may not be valid. It's more about who is providing that information. And there's always key things. There's always things that you can take from that, but it's a matter of hearing their story and what they're saying within conjunction of that. So if you're capable of looking through and beyond that, people like Edward Thorson slash Stephen Flowers um, might be right up your alley. I've read his material as well, but I definitely took what made sense and left the other BS behind. Um, trying to think of another one that some people may see that with as well. Um, the Way of Fire and Ice by Ryan Smith. I love that book. I support that wholly, but some people may find the material not meeting their standards. So they'll take what they want and leave the rest. And that's kind of how you have to do it with uh, with anything, really, but uh, with the runes in particular. I've got a question here. I was asked this the other day. And I, maybe I, in case she goes off, I'm going to ask it now. This is a personal thing. Hello, Lynn. Please, could you tell me if my ex's dad knew I was there with him when he passed away? Well, I said say last week to Lynn, because she was with him, he would know that she was there. And um, just want a bit of confirmation, really. What do you think, guys? I'd say he knew she was there. Yeah. Him. Was I mean, if there was physical contact or mm -hmm. if the energy of the heart was there in conjunction. You know, that's a powerful electromagnetic wave that if you allow yourself to move into that space, and when we move into that space of emotion and feeling and sensing, then even if that acknowledgement isn't there, if you felt him, then more than likely he was connected with you and felt you as well. That would yeah. be my, my take on it. Yeah. I, I did say this last week and, um, I think it was last Sunday when, when she contacted me after the show. I said, yeah, he would know you were there. It's the senses. So, they open up, don't they? Yeah. Because you're moving on. The sense is just. So I hope that's answered your question, Lynn. I mean, none of us know for sure, but I would, I would imagine so. And after my uh, <laughs> near-death thing, I'm sure... Um, well, I ain't going to go into all that, but if, yeah, I would have known someone was there for sure. Right. So, okay. Um, I've got some other bits and pieces here. Hello, Wendy. So you did well fishing today. Um, can you tell us about the different types of runes? There are other others apart from Norse. So the... This is interesting because we actually worked backwards um, oh. to get to get where we are today. The most common rune set that people know of, the one you will find when you pick up any rune book, is the Elder Futhark. And Futhark are the first um, 
runic sounds that you get from any of the, the sets. So it's Fehu, Urus, Therizaz, Ansus, Raitho, Kenes. And that spells that Futhark name. Um, there's no truth or rhyme or reason. There are a couple rune stones that have them listed in that order. And that's kind of why we use that. But other than that, there's no real, real answer to how they're ordered. Um, so the El Elder Futhark is the oldest. However, the one that we pulled that from is the younger and the Icelandic Futhark. And instead of being 24 runes, there are 18 runes. So we began with those and then worked our way understanding the poems that were written that are written in a format called kennings. And they would have um, the name of the rune and some aspect of sound or some turn of phrase that would make you remember what it meant. It's kind of like A is for apple, B is for bat, C is... So you had this... Uh, this the the runes all set up in the system. So we would break these down and there are three known rune poems. There's Icelandic, um, Norwegian and Anglo-Saxon. And the Norwegian is the old Norse. So by working backwards from the younger, we moved into the Anglo-Saxon, which is 33 runes. That's the set that I work with. And then from there, it moved to understanding the elder and the meanings become more and more primal uh and less linguistic as we move further down there because again we don't really know so it's kind of interesting to to look in that direction but there are four sort of five technically known rune sets out there um but the one you're going to see the most is going to be the elder followed probably by the younger and the younger is if you've ever heard people talk about viking runes that's the younger uh, and that was, I think between, I think it's like a 300 year period between 100 and 400 AD or something. I'm not going to quote dates because I don't have them memorized, but it's a very short period of time that those runes were used. Um, the ones that Tolkien based his languages off of were the Anglo-Saxon. So if you go back and you look into... Um, well, the lore of Lord of the Rings in general is all Anglo-Saxon history based. It's all very, um, very much pre-Viking Age and so forth and, and has a lot of connection in Norse history. Um, and then the Germanic is the elder where everything stemmed from that blending of Indo-European countries such as Serbia and um, parts of Russia and, and uh, Siberia in with some of the, the lands from the Picts and Scots and so forth kind of created a lot of what we know today as the runes and the Norse people. Wow. Wendy, again, does the material the runes are made from have significance? It can. If it has significance to you, then that's what you should be using. Uh, traditionally in the lore, it's stated that you should use birch, or fruit tree um, wood to carve them. Um, birch was referred to as a fruit tree and you'll see it listed that way in, in a lot of the lore. But even at that point, apples didn't come from that area. So if you're trying to stick to really traditional stuff, apple wouldn't be something you'd wanna use. Um, that being said, 
it's all about knowing where you live. It's understanding your land. It's listening to the spirits of that land. It's listening to what you feel connected with. You know, I mentioned earlier, my, one of my favorite sets is on Japanese cherry. Um, that certainly wasn't growing in Germany or, you know, Denmark or, or Iceland or, or whatnot. It's a very specific area. Um, but I felt called to, to do it and use it. So that's, that's what I chose. Um, I prefer wood because wood is thirsty. And when you dedicate yourself, if you choose to make that dedication to yourself with the runes or, and vice versa, then something that will absorb and grab onto the offerings that you make to it is a better choice. Um, rock and crystal and so forth is a little more challenging. Also, those energies in crystals hold very specific frequencies. And sometimes that frequency, such as selenite, which is used to repel negative energy or repel energy as a whole, won't allow that rune spirit to enter that, that stone. And that's my personal belief, again. Um, you know, we see all sorts of things that the runes are carved onto. I've seen people forge them out of steel. And, you know, their process of dedicating during that steel time is their sweat, their blood, that sort of thing goes into that iron as it's being forged. So it just kind of kind of depends on how you wanted to to work with that. But short answer is it doesn't matter. It's up to you what you feel called to use. Hello, Chris Lee. Will a set of runes, I think you get some questions tonight. Will a set of runes choose you a bit like diviners and crystals do? It may. Um, there's no real definitive answer on that. Uh, you'll know when it happens. You'll feel it. You'll pick it up and it'll be like, mm, not digging it. Or maybe it's, you know, the other way around. I personally believe the best way to experience that is to um, either make your own, if you're not capable of making your own, purchasing one to set from somebody who's reputable. Uh, for instance, on mine, I offer a number of different woods to choose from. What resonates with you? What do I have? So I have birch, I've got oak, I have lightning struck oak, I've got um, poplar, like these different types of woods that I can use that help you get connected. Then you can choose your set. You can choose, I have an option on there to have a consultation for um, dedication rituals and that sort of thing. So it, it, it kind of depends on what you feel called to work with. Do you do you have any any books out that you've written? Have you written anything on, on the subject? I actually have one in the works. Um, my rune teacher and friend, he and I are um, writing a book together, and it's going to be a very different style of rune book than what people are kind of familiar with out there. We're kind of skipping all the basic stuff and um, adding a little bit more complexity to it to kind of help others really decide whether or not they want to dedicate their lives or even to answer some questions as to why things have been happening in their life that are root related and maybe opening some doors for them. Oh, well, when you publish it, let us know and we can put it out there. I will. It's uh, it's proved to be a little bit more challenging than what we thought it would be. <laughs> We're each working with a single rune over a period of time, which we kind of thought would be like maybe a week. And, I, I spoke with him the other day and he's like, well, I finally moved on from this rune. Uh, that took about six weeks. I was not anticipating that. And I was like, oh, thank God. I thought I was behind because this one over here has been kicking my ass for about a month. 
And <laughs> so it's been a really amazing um, journey putting this together because once we're finished working with the runes that we have right now, we're going to switch and we're each going to write uh, a contrasting, not contrasting, but our version of each experience. So you'll get two different views from two different people unknowingly working with these runes at different times. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I know, I know in the States, you know, they're, they're very much into the spiritualist stuff and whatever. Um, is it the same with the runes? Are they, are they as popular? Mm. Um, so I'm going to say no. There are many of us that work with the runes, both in a linguistic set, um, on a spiritual level, not as many of us on an animist level, but we're here. And I say not many of us, but it's probably in the thousands. But when you look at the overall amount of people that, that work in that area, you're, you're, we're a splash in the pan. Um, a lot of the reason that that is, is because of World War II and the sensitivity that the United States has to um, to that. We, many people here, especially in the younger as well as folks who grew up in a household that um, had family that maybe fought in that time period, don't necessarily have the same uh, passion or have tendency to avoid or chastise those that work with the runes. And it comes down to the fact that Hitler and the SS had a lot to do with occult magic yeah yeah coming from germany which is where the runes originated the whole his whole argument his whole philosophy was to take back the fatherland mm -hmm. so a lot of a lot of people say he culturally appropriated the runes he didn't he just used them but because of how he used them mm -hmm. they took on a negative connotation and there was a fifth set that was created by nazi sympathizers known as the armenian runes and there's 18 of them. A lot of us choose to recognize them, but not use them because they have a specifically um, neo-Nazi white supremacist uh, allocation to them. That doesn't mean that they're not valid um, because like I said, there are multiple runes out there. And if Guido von List who mm. curated that set found them, then he did. But it's the energy and intention that was put forward behind them that kind of invalidate a lot of it uh, for many of us. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say this about mediumship. You know, we hear all about your usual stuff. I say, but you know, you've got to think back to the Nazis. They were they they were well into the mediumship. They they had their own mediums, didn't they? I don't think the women were allowed to cut their hair because apparently that they lose their energy. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that it's good points and it's not so good points really, isn't it? All the way through. So, uh, Dan, I, you I'll go on record as well. I, I don't condone anything that came out of that. And I don't work no. with the runes that way. I don't believe that no. they hold that message. But for me to walk around town um, wearing the rune Taibas, which looks like uh, an arrow pointing upwards. Mm -hmm. Um, that rune is listed in the Southern Poverty Law Center as a hate symbol. Mm. 
because of white supremacist groups in the United States and others um, using that rune from the Armenian set, meaning the li life rune is what they call it. But in reality, that rune is Algiz, and it's a rune of, um, I'm sorry, that's the other one, Algiz. It's Taivaz, or Tyr, and it's a law of justice. It's a law of knowing your direction, which way you need to go, um, your guiding star, but as well as the long arm of the law at the same time. It's a rune of oath-keeping and promise-keeping promise, promise keeping as well. So you can kind of see where things got convoluted and so forth. And I said Algiz, that's another one as well, and that's a rune of protection. But that also shows up in that list of hate symbols used by a lot of these modern organizations. So it, it becomes difficult working in that field, constantly having to defend yourself in an area as sensitive as we are in the United States to these, mm. these things that have happened. Interesting. Could you recommend a book on spirit, animal spirit? Absolutely. Um, animal Speak by Ted Andrews is an absolutely stellar book. Um, he goes through and breaks things down between avian, mammalian, insects, and so forth uh, as to what they all mean and represent. Um, and then he also gives a lot of different ritual work in there that you can utilize to help understand these spirits. When it comes down to it, though, the best answer is what's inside of you. If you have this connection to an animal, why? Look into that animal. What does it eat? What eats it? How does it live? When does it sleep? When is it awake? These are all elements of things that you can put into your life and help you hear and see the message and medicine that that animal has for you at that time. So you're always going to know better than anybody else because you, know, they, you may find a book that says Wolf is the great teacher, and that may transcend in some, to some other things like uh, Kipling's Jungle Book and so forth. And that may be the common energy behind it. But what does wolf represent to you? Does it represent family? Does it represent security? Does it represent territory? These are all things that you'll know better than a book is going to be able to tell you. But Ted Andrews, by far, if you're looking for a great source material to begin that journey, Animal Speak is where you want to go. There you go. Do, do you um, do you teach much, or do you have workshops uh, where you are? Or uh, I do. Um, I am working on getting up, getting up and running my classes. I had and still have a set that is available online. I'm still membership is still allowed to come in. Um, it is a four week if you go week by week or work at your own pace. If you want to spend six months, six years, whatever it is that that's available. The new classes are going to be a little bit more structured, focus on one rune at a time rather than eight at a time. And um, yeah, a little bit more information and a little bit more activity behind it as well. And that I'm looking at using uh, Udemy, U, capital U-D-E-M-Y, as that, uh, that platform. Right now they're on Google Classroom, I believe. I'll say, if you want to, if you want to advertise them, feel free. If you want to advertise your aura. Yeah, if anybody's interested, please reach out. Um, you can message me through Rowan Wolf Runecraft or Spectral Bear Healing. Either one of those is perfectly fine, um, and we can discuss that as well. Because I do have classes available, like uh, Crash Course. They're a little bit uh, more than the general classes, but it's because it's condensed into like an hour and a half. So it takes a lot of energy, a lot of time to get through something like that. Cool. Yeah, hour and a half. 
Um, a message from Lynn. Thank you for that. She was upset, shouted at the top of my voice. Uh, again, thanks us for our answer. So there you are, Lynn. You're welcome. And I'm sure the old father-in-law will be watching this now. So there you go. Um, well, so many things here. Ah, Bill Rook, a.k.a. Alien Bill. And you'll know why he's talking about this. Sometimes in my camera picks. Um, it could be, absolutely. Uh, when you when you think about that, where do you feel it? Where do you hear it? Do you feel that you have a connection? Do you find yourself dreaming of wolves? Do you, like myself, I collect and have collected wolf uh, fetishes and images for my, pretty much since I was a little kid. They're the animal that I raced to see at the zoo. You know, so if you have that kind of connection and people are telling you that you're they're seeing this in your photos, they're you have this wolf energy behind you look into that because there may be a message in there it may not be a spirit guide and that's something a lot of people get hung up on too is like oh well you know coyote came to me and they're like oh okay well coyote is now a totem animal mm, is he maybe not look at the medicine that coyote has to offer look at the medicine that wolf or frog or bat has to offer for you and it may just be something that's needed to you know, something to help you get through a situation at that moment in time. And then they're gone. Your spirit animal, your guides, your power animals are the ones that are with you from birth. They're the ones that have decided to come forward and work with you in this lifetime and help guide you along your path when you need them most. And you might have more than one. Sometimes it is just one. You can call forth different power animals at different times as you need. I think my I think mine's a, a grey cat because I've seen one fly move about in here. You know, seriously. You get a wolf, Bill. I get a, I get a little pussy cat. Oh, well. Nothing wrong with pussy cats. <laughs> you know, for being as domesticated as they are, they definitely have a mind of their no. own, and uh, you know, kind of live their own their own yeah, life. I've seen it a couple of times. Saw one dive under the bed a few weeks ago. And I thought, oh, I don't know. There we are. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick to my cat. You can have your wolves and the rest of it. <laughs> Wendy, again. I've been drawn to make a set of pebbles from the beach. Do it. But, sorry, I've said that wrong. That sounds daft. No, I, I've been drawn, drawn to, make... to make a set. Yeah, do it. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing out there that stops you from doing that. If you feel connected uh, to that, by all means, do it. Uh, I was speaking with a, uh, a woman the other day, and she was like, oh, I'm making... I'm making my, my rune set. And I was like, you know, I, I sell rune sets. And she goes, yeah, but you don't make them on seashells. And that's what I really want. And I was like, that's legit. Do it. <laughs> you know, so it's what you feel called to. What, what do you want to work with? What speaks to you? And she has that the woman that I'm referring to has a very strong connection with water. Well, using wood or stone isn't going to have that same connection have that that essence of of water of emotion of peace that comes through uh her rune set that mine would if i made for her so. mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I suppose the difficult part is getting the um, getting the symbols into the pebbles, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's that's going to be the. And you can you can paint. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Daniel, in in Germany, uh, for a very long time, his were drawn on wooden pieces with a pencil, and he would go back and redraw them over and over again until he felt that it was time to actually burn them in there and engrave them into that wood. And he recently took that that step in doing so. Um, so you can you could easily seashell some paint and do that as well. Sharpie, you know, what speaks to you? What resonates with you at that time? I didn't think of that, painting them. Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> yeah. What we got here from Bill. Banks and also get dragons in dimensional images, not just the wolf, as you say, many critters and human forms. Yeah. Ask them. When you go into that moment in time when you're experiencing them in that dream state, um, ask them, you know, if it's something that you are unsure of and, and not familiar with going into that state, that theta state, um, I do offer journey work. You know, I can either journey for you or we can you would do a live together and I take you through that process where you go and in, into one of the three realms, the upper, lower, middle realms and experience that interaction with your your guides. And that can be done by yourself, but some people don't always know or have ever experienced something like that, may have a fear behind it or think that they can't. And having somebody to guide you through the initial phases of that as you experience it yourself is a really great, um, great way to handle it. And one of the things that I offer with that journey is to uh, a consultation in the beginning. Find out what your intentions are. What do you want to experience? Where are you wanting to go? Because that can help to clear the mind. And then afterwards, if you want, you're always welcome to express your experiences and we can discuss that and try to, sometimes the guides speak in riddles and you don't get the answer you think you're going to get because you really have to look in there. And sometimes it helps to discuss that with a neutral party. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I was just thinking that today. Things have happened like this week, and you think, well, actually, I wouldn't want to talk about it. So, and <clears throat> I think it does help a lot. I get somebody else's <clears throat> uh, ideas on, on what you're doing because um, someone's working on your own, it can be a bit difficult, I right? Think, anyway, you know. But the good thing now, we've got the internet and Zoom and the StreamYard and, and everything, and we, we can at least uh, communicate and learn. Christine, is there a special way you should store your runes <clears throat> wrapped in a particular type of material? So again, that's up to you. Um, it's what works for you. Some people prefer to, you know, charge them in the moonlight. Some people prefer to keep them on a selenite plate. If they're reading for people, if they're casting for others, especially if they allow others to touch them, then it's not a bad idea to consider cleansing them at some point. Um, but as for storage, and the rune sets that I make come in a burlap bag that you're welcome to use as a rune bag. I found this black velour bag laying around the house that I was like, ooh, that's nice. I'm going to use that. Um, I do keep them on my altar to Odin and Freya, though. So I also have uh, 
things for the Nornir on there as well, kind of the fates. They're the the entities that really hold a lot of that power with the runes for me. Uh, so I do keep my divination tools near that altar. But other than that, it's kind of personal preference, really. So, Elaine, you've got a bag of runes. What have you got? What yours? Made out of wood or? No, no, no. Mine's um, a gem. It's black. I can't even think where it is now. It's black and it begins with A. <laughs> I've been saying it all week and now I, I can't think what they're called. Um, well, the, mater the material is, made, uh, is A, is it? Yeah. I, um, hang on. Let me have a look where I brought it. <laughs> Bear with me. See, I read on Google, obviously, like you say, it's preference of how you store them. They were saying about white Muslim cloth. Have I said that right? Muslim cloth, yeah. Yeah, Muslim. Yeah. Cheesecloth. It's, it's cheese, like a thicker yeah. cheesecloth. Hmm. So, but it's it's up to you. What resonates with you? What feels right? What what do you hear them telling you that they want to be in? You know, is is another way to look at it. If you put them, if you wrap them in deer skin and you're like, eh, that doesn't really feel right, then you're listening to them saying, don't want to be there. Put me in something else. You know, we're mm. vegan. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. We'll take that. Because okay. you know, so. um, my husband's ones come in a little pouch like you've, mm. what you've got there. And they're actually black agate. Black agate. Agate. agate yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I say things really. <laughs> agate. You're fine. It's, Isn't you know, it? I don't think there is. It's, you know, we say Isn't aluminum, that? aluminium, you know, <laughs> whatever. Isn't that a crystal agate? Agate? Yeah, yeah. I did learn something from somebody on here. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you'll find a lot of them made on crystal. A lot of the sets you buy online and so forth come with, you know, you'll see them on amethyst. You'll see them on quartz, um, agate, lapis, you know, all these different stones can be used for it. And if you're if you're a stone person and those energies resonate with you, by all means, use them. There's nothing wrong with that. Wendy, I've never been drawn to tarot, but I've been to runes. I believe it's because of the direct physical link to nature from the material. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's the point there, yeah. yeah. You may also want to look into Aham, O-G-H-A-M. That's the, uh, the Celtic oracle that's based on the trees. And that was also a system of writing, you know, a system of, of how they translated and moved messages uh, back and forth. So that might be a, a really great opportunity to look into as well. Obsidian, yeah. Obsidian is that is that a, is that a material? What's that? Yeah, yeah. That'll we'll see that every once in a while as well. Obsidian is volcanic glass. It's a lot of you know, iron, water in that. I say this every week. You know, do this about a year or so now. I learn something new every week. It's fascinating, you know, the, the, when you people you talk about this stuff, and, and I'm sure that the people get the same same thing from it. Um, I don't know you probably said this earlier. So I've got this brain fog, so I don't know what I'm thinking for the, one minute for the next. This is this is true, it's driving me mad. So I am a beginner. And I pick, go down to wherever tomorrow, the local store or somewhere, mm -hmm. pick up a set of runes, and then what do I do? Just throw them out on the floor or on the table? So depending on what it is that you are trying to do, if you are one of, like, I've worked with people that are like, oh, I want to know every 
system of divination out there and be proficient in all of them and so forth, then you may not actually have a connection with them. Maybe you do and you just don't know it yet. Um, that's where you would pick up the book, learn what that is, learn some history, learn the lore, um, you know, in that area, because a lot of the runes are very tied into um, those stories. I mentioned Taivaz or Tyr mm -hmm. um, earlier, and that has connections with the story of Fenrir the Wolf. But if you don't know that, then you're not going to be able to hear a lot of that message that that rune can offer. So learning these different avenues can definitely make you a proficient rune reader without having that connection to them. However, if you want to and feel compelled to and are being told that you need to, to work with the runes in that way, then the best way to do it is one at a time. Choose a rune at random, carry it with you. Work with it, sleep with it, put it under your pillow, put it in your pocket. Um, if it's clean, maybe you put it in your mouth because that relays information that way as well. Um, don't swallow it. That's a bad idea. But, <laughs> you know, take it out before you go to bed. Um, but all of these, these types of feelings, sensations, experiences that you'll have over that period of time that you're working with that rune will help to develop that relationship. It helps you to become familiar with and introduce yourself and allow that rune to introduce itself to you during that time. And you may be presented with really crazy experiences. If you're working with, um, use a perfect example, um, right now I'm taking a tarot class uh, from on the Magpie Moonchild. Um, and she took my rune class uh, earlier. And she worked with the rune Kenaz or Kalm. And Kenaz is the torch. It's a fire rune. It's inner knowing. But the rune poems also teach us that it's a painful boil, a, um, a bane to children. And during that week that she was working with that, she told me that her children never went through more misery at school. They, you know, were falling and hurting themselves at home. One of them caught flu. Like there were just all of these different things that were happening because she was building a relationship with this rune. But she also said that it helped to open her up. It helped to experience more of um, that inner knowing and seeing that guidance and allowing access into the other runes a little bit better. So it's interesting, the experiences that you receive during that time. And I'll prop her, um, plug her as well. If you're not taking her tarot class, do it. I know she's getting ready to do another one here soon. Phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Give her a plug, you know, so why not? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I just wondered because if that was me, it'd be, I'll throw them out on the table and, uh, oh, Try and learn it in 10 minutes. No, it's taken me 30 years to get where I am. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, almost 30 at this point. So, and, and we never stop because mm. that information is constantly there. And sometimes you get tricks played on you. I did a casting for someone um, last year and I was in a dimly lit room when I did it. And I'm reading this rune is something that I clearly see as, I, I don't even remember what it was. We'll say it was Thagas. And when I picked it up, I'm, relaying the message that I'm hearing from this. And then I picked the rune up and it's Avaz. I was like, oh, well, shoot, that's not what that was at all. But the message that was given to me from this rune was accurate. And even though it was the wrong rune, what I was hearing from them was the message that needed to be heard for that person. 
And you're not going to get that if you just sit down and decide to read them at face value. Hmm. You may, if they're calling you and you may not know you have that connection yet, um, that may be your calling right then and there when you're like, oh, I read that as something else, but it was it, you know, this, this other room. So funny because someone said to me last night, you would go into something else now. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is it. Oh, uh, well, I'll be down the works or wherever tomorrow. <laughs> no, I won't. But um, no, it's worth thinking about because, you know, it's all very interesting. And, and, and this for everyone watching tonight, having you on there speak about it. And I'll, I'll go on record as well as saying that you don't have to be of Germanic or Scandinavian heritage or Anglo-Saxon heritage. The runes are going to choose who they want to work with. Hmm. And, you know, they, they don't care. <laughs> it's, um, they're going to come to you as they need to come to you. And it's your choice as to whether or not you decide to work with them. So anybody can work with these spirits, with this system. It's not for one person or one nationality or ethnicity or anything like that. Well, they might like my Scottish side, might they? Yeah. Hey, sure good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Gail, got a set of Ogham sticks still to learn to use them. And that connection to, to Ahem learning that, if you feel connected to working with that, don't necessarily work with those staves, work with the tree itself. Go out and connect yourself to Alder, go out and connect yourself to um, uh, Saley or Willow, connect yourself to the oak, listen to what that tree has to teach you and the messages that it has, and that's where you're going to gain that information from working with Ahm. Don't try to learn it from a book. You're going to have similar messages, like birch is always going to be, um, you know, a sense of purity, of the mother, of shedding things, because that's the message that, the general message that birch teaches us. And we see the same thing in the rune Burkana, which means birch. But the true insight that you'll gain from working with Ahm is to go out and hug a tree. <laughs> find, find that yew tree in your yard and don't spend too much time under it because it's it'll make you see things. But the um, the idea is, what message can you get from that? Well, I got a message from a birch tree. Mm -hmm. Somebody was chopping one down, mm. and it crashed on top of me. Wow! <laughs> but my message, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. No wonder I'm a, maybe a bit odd. <laughs> But my message is, yeah, don't stand under trees when they're being cut down. I, I, that must be, what, 10, 12 years ago now. Now, if and you... I felt, if felt a bit odd the next day. Yeah. I, bit odd, a bit, I think that's a bit of concussion. I bet. <laughs> but now, there we you, are. If you look at that and, and translate that message, there's more to it than just that. Yeah, there is. You know, there's, the birch in <laughs> the system of the runes is the mother. It's an ability to know what to keep in your life and what to get rid of. What's been coming at you during that time over and over and over again to the point where you needed to be hit on the head to figure out, to cut it out of your life. You know, and sometimes those are those messages that we experience. Well, there you go, folks. If you think I'm a bit, you know, that's why. <laughs> I, I, I should have been dead, really. Mm -hmm. I, think, you know, I, mean, I just remember that. There you go. So that's my excuse for being a bit odd. I'm um, not like blaming a tree, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And people say you should read Silver Birch, you know. The, right. The guide, yeah. No, that's all right. I've I've learned enough as it is, thank you. <laughs> and it hurts. Anyway, get away from my um I don't know what it is, you know, Rowan. I, I do have a lot of things mishaps. I don't know why, but I do. So look in uh, look into some of that trickster energy. You know, Loki um in the nord in the Nordic Nordic Pantheon. If you're looking into things like uh, the indigenous tribes of the United States, coyote is a trickster energy. Um, fox is another one. And to me, when that animal shows up, when that spirit of the, the trickster and prankster shows up, it's to remind us of something that we're doing over and over and over again that we shouldn't be doing. And well, or need to get rid of or need to lose out of because they think it's funny watching this happen over and over again. So they're going to keep bringing it because it brings them amusement. Well, so it's going to I, keep happening. I, I don't do gardening, but I went out to move something in the garden, a root or something. I fell backwards, I broke my leg, my ankle, I'm pinned and plates. Wow. Exactly. I think it was before that I copped a tree on the head. <laughs> yeah, so these lessons mm -hmm. have been quite painful. So the moral is don't do gardening, which I shouldn't have done anyway. Don't stand under trees. Mm -hmm. Well, lots of things really, but I ain't going to go into it. Right. It's been, been, been a bit of a funny old life really. Disasters here and there. And you think it could be playful spirits there? Yeah, just trying to teach you, teach you a lesson. You know, they find those things funny. You know, that's really? it's a practical joke. But when we look at it as medicine, it becomes this: well, What do I keep doing that? You know, I need to to put myself in place and to, you know, I want these things to stop. Well, where in my life am I constantly doing something over and over again that I need to get rid of because it's not serving me any? It's not doing me any good. No, just stick to playing the guitar. That's what I do now. There it and is. Yeah, that, that's enough. I don't go out, venture out now. Anyway, enough about my mishaps. It's, uh, but yeah, it's been like, honestly, all the way through my life. That is true, isn't it? Because when we go for a walk, you get hit by things flying through the air. Yeah, we were in the forest uh, last year, Lane and myself. Was that I think that was, was funny. Only, I know, I think we had one of your boys with us. And something... <laughs> There was no one about something flew out of the air and hit me in the head. It was like some kid with a catapult or something. Oh, wow. I thought, wow. She just laughs out loud. You know, I mean, it was stinging for about an hour. Um, I went in the forest on Wednesday. I've been to the dentist, and it's not far from Rendlesham, if I pop in. Mm -hmm. I went there a few weeks ago, and I heard a woman talking. There was no one, there, no one around. And then I heard her again. This week I went in. I walked in about, I don't know, three, four hundred yards, maybe, I don't know. My phone went on, off, on, off, on, off. This was Wednesday. Today I only managed to charge it. I managed to get it going again today. So that's what, four days. The battery of my camera, the Canon camera, zapped. Interesting. And I thought, Please don't. 
my car's got to start. I'm going to be stuck here. But Elaine's right. Whenever I go in there, I hear voices of that people. I've had things thrown at me. The temperature up and down, up and down. And she thinks it's funny, and when she, but it's not because it's quite painful. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for the next thing to happen. You know. So my my thought on that, and where where I'm hearing that message, surely to you, is where in your life can you stop being hard headed? Ah, you've got a point there. Yeah, I'm too soft. I know. I'm too soft, uh, but a bit old for that, being hard-headed now, isn't it? I'll try, but people just laugh at me. Yeah, but um, <laughs> no, no, probably too soft, too easy going, really. <laughs> but there we are. But no, that, that birch tree, that I, oh, man, I'll never go with that. And a broken egg. But the fact is that I've got a little girl with me now who came from this property where I bust my leg, who's with me now. And she gets up to all sorts of tricks in here. She's only about mm. 10. She's, she's got so, that, that energy. Yeah. yeah. yeah she, she's throwing pictures off the wall. I've done my guitar strings, done all sorts. <laughs> and last week she was putting on my shirt. Come on, like I'm ignoring. I, I can't see her. Anyway, I'm going to toughen up, Elaine. That is it. <laughs> toughen up. <laughs> no more whining like a girl when something hits you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it, well, you think it's funny, but I mean, anyway, uh, let's crack on. Let's forget about my. Oh, sure. What? No, not you. And not, not you, Ron. Get away with me, Lange. Well, telling people <laughs> things about me now. Um, <laughs> here we go. Sorry if this is already. Are you enjoying it on here tonight, Rowan? That's yeah, this is great. I, I my goal is to educate as many people out there, and um, you know, help people recognize if they're feeling this call that it's normal and that there is a place that uh, they can go, whether online or just someone to speak with that has had similar experiences and is more than happy to help um, along that journey. Okay, Christine, sorry if it's already been mentioned, but is there a particular rune that you can carry around on you that gives you protection? There are several protection runes. It kind of depends on the type of protection that you're interested in. the most common one that people think of is Ivaz or Algiz. Wow, Ivaz is one as well. I'm all over the place today. Um, Algiz is is a rune of protection, but it's protection with action. So, if we think about, it would be, for instance, a soldier running into battle to protect their home and country. They're actively doing it. They're actively protecting, but it's being done through physical uh, physical action. Ivaz, which is one that I mentioned uh, prior to that, is a rune of defense. It's firing that bow from the castle wall. You know, you're defending the castle, but not necessarily physically attacking uh, somebody else in the means of protection. Um, Isa is the rune of ice, but it's a rune of shielding. It's throwing yourself on top of that grenade to shield others um, from its blast. Uh, and then there's also Thurizaz. And Thurizaz is um, a rune that's connected to Thor. And it's a rune of raw, primal, you know, get in there and crush everything that would get in your way to, to protect what is sacred to you. In his case, Mythgarth, where we live. So it kind of depends on which 
what type of protection you're looking for. I feel that a lot of people, when they think of protection, are thinking more about that shielding, you know, putting up that energetic bubble around yourself and less about um, not harming others, but having that physical altercation or spiritual altercation or verbal uh, argument with somebody over protection, protecting. I think I'll get a bag full of everything, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Uh, where are we? I'm drawn to the majestic oak. Mm-hmm. No, there are spirits around. Yeah, oak is a powerful tree for sure. I mean, it's the um, one of the Celtic words for oak, which we see reflected in the Ahim, is dur d u i r, which is where we get the word druid, men of the oak, people of the oak. I think Wendy, you should come down to the forest again of Elaine and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send her out first. I'll sit in the middle. I'll stand in the middle. Um, uh, what the runes view on what will happen in Ukraine? The first question we've had on that since it's yeah, you know, that is it's an interesting question. I recently not necessarily divined on it, but alluded to it in a question in my um, collective rune pool that is part of my Patreon. Um, support. And I'm still working on dissecting what what I was able to pull forth from that. Um, one of the runes that came forward is uh, in that reading was um, Quirth. And Quirth is a rune of immolation. It's a rune of fire, letting go of something and taking it out of your life very, very quickly. And it's a rune that's directly connected with Serther, who is the um, fire Etten uh, that rules over Muspelheim, the fire realm. And in the lore during Ragnarok, the end of all things, Serther burns Yidrasil, the world tree. But what's left, the remains of what's remi- what is smoldering is a new world, a new era, a new place of peace and love and things like that. So I don't have an answer. And I don't think the runes do either because we all have free will. And these messages that come through, you don't have to listen to them. You know, we are constantly in a state of dreaming. Um, The concept of dreaming when we're awake. And those dreams, these messages, these thoughts that we put into the world into the universe, the universe creates that dream around us. And we can shape our own reality. The runes show us some possibilities, just as tarot does, just as I Ching and tea leaves and all all of these aspects. But we are the ones that are in control of what we do, what we manifest, the energy that we put forward into the world and the dreams that we choose to make our reality. So I hope it's a little esoteric and a little heady, but... um, and a very long-winded answer (laughs) to get to that. But the fact is, is that there is no answer because we haven't dreamed that yet. Hmm. Bill, brutal, Rowan, you have just mentioned the trees. I do a lot with many trees and birch. 
I called the shining one. Some folk with a gift have seen the energy around a tree when I hug it. Some right next to them see nothing. Does this happen with you, sir? Um, I haven't experienced it. Not the shining aspect of things. Not that. I definitely feel connected with the trees and with the forest and with earth. Um, but nobody, I'm normally by myself, so not many have reported that that uh, shows up around me. I would love to talk about that more with you. Um, that's a really uh, beautiful connection, and it sounds like you're very driven and connected into, into that realm and into that environment. And if you're not pursuing it, I would strongly consider um, doing that, working with elements of druidry. Um, if you're in England, the OBOD, Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids, would be a really great place to start your journey. Oh, I think I'll hug a few trees. They might not fall <laughs> on top of my head. Um, um, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, because I'm sure people will be interested in this, in the spirit stuff, mm -hmm. uh, where you where you come from or originate from, which was... Oh, uh, so... Sorry, that's what broke my Yeah, sorry about that. I lost <laughs> your thought. Um, um, my, my ancestry comes from the, the UK and, and Scandinavia and Germany and a little bit of Italy and um, Luxembourg, places like that. Where I was born, though, which puts me as a member of the United States, as, as in, indigenous is the wrong word, but local is a better word. I was born in Pennsylvania and lived there uh, pretty much my whole life. I grew up around Gettysburg. My wife is from the Philadelphia area. Um, and then we ended up in Indiana about eight years ago, nine years ago. Well, where we were talking before, before we went live, you know, it's quite Gettysburg. Yes. And I'm saying I've been watching this series on YouTube. Um, I've got to say, it looks a fascinating place. And um, still some of the buildings are there from that period. Mm -hmm. and, and the guys who, who uh, do, the, do the talks or do, uh, do the tours, uh, they do say that s soldiers have been seen. Um, that must be quite an experience. And uh, have you ever seen anything like spirit? So people? I don't necessarily have my clairvoyance isn't my strongest gift. Um, we, we all have access to the Claire's. It's a matter of sometimes they manifest easier for others and than, than certain ones. Um, my sister, on the other hand, uh, while she has shoved it under the carpet and doesn't really work with it, uh, has a lot of that clairvoyance, that being able to see things. Um, we grew up in a haunted house. And prior to that, my dad, um, we lived above the, the funeral home that my dad owned. So my dad's a funeral director by trade. So we were constantly surrounded by, by death, by the spirits of, of those that have moved on mm -hmm. and the energy of those that have lost. And we were able to, we carried a lot of that with us for a very long period of time. And my sister shut it down. I shut it down for a very long time and recently got felt it again. Um, but she definitely saw things happen in that house. We had, there was one incident where she saw two glowing red eyes in the wall. That's when my mom had the priest next door come over and bless the house. Following that blessing, a window opened by itself and shut by itself very abruptly. There were 
um, moments where something would play with my sister's hair while she was trying to sleep. Um, she got locked in the attic once by something. And uh, what we found later on uh, after we sold the property, they had a psychic come through and a medium and, and work through that was that these were the energies of children that had passed away in that house due to illness in the 1800s. And the, one of my friends saw one of the elder uh, children walking outside the house, walking around the property with another male. Um, doors would open and close by themselves. You know, all the standard stuff. We had one of those, um, I don't know if you remember back in the 90s, late 80s, they had these phones that you could see through and would light up when they would ring. And mm -hmm. my sister had one of those. Never was plugged in, but it would ring. <laughs> you know, um, very, uh, very poltergeist-esque uh, material on that. We, uh, there were walnuts that appeared in the, the yard. There were no walnut trees, but there were on the original property in the 1800s. In fact, the property was called Walnut Hill. So it, we had a lot of weird experiences growing up um, in town and around that area. And being only 30 miles from Gettysburg, we would experience, uh, I think, a lot of that history as well. And Antietam wasn't too far from us, which was just a, a more of a bloodbath than Gettysburg was. And there was always a lot of pain and suffering through there. We had uh, a couple homes that were part of the Underground Railroad that went through my hometown. So we experienced a lot of a lot of history and a lot of pain um, and, and sadness, but also happiness uh, in that area as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, watching this uh, this series, I think I think I got about 147 episodes of they they do this tour, but it, it's not consistent. So you see, and then oh, it vanishes for a few months, and then go back onto it again. But I was just thinking, watching that, um, I thought, well, you know, there must be same as it, in Europe, but the First World War and whatever is yeah. the same. But yeah, but these guys were pretty down to earth when they say, "Well, we do see, we do see things," and yeah. um, and there's still some of the original buildings there, but. Um, yeah, if you get the opportunity to head out there, Devil's Den uh, was oh. a, a site of a battle that's supposed to be one of the loudest uh, spiritual areas. Like people will go out at night and they leave terrified because of the the noise, the um, the feelings that they receive in that area as well, just to the bone. You know. Wow. Oh yeah, amazing that. Can you come back, please? <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. I would love to. That's not up to me, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be great because there's so much, so much to ask, isn't there? Mm -hmm. So, so much. Uh, Bill, Yammers, Rowan, that's Greek for cheers. You have very good answers. Thank you. <laughs> Does the image behind you with nature have a meaning? So yes, this was um, a gift actually from working with a, um, a meditation game platform called Inner Realms Journey. Uh, I was one of the beta testers in that. I'm also a, um, a, God, what's the word? A mentor through their program as well. And it's a game system that rather than playing video games, you play the game in your head. You go in and it's it teaches you how to meditate. It teaches you how to ground, how to 
move into a basic state of journeying where as you are being guided through these adventures, you're the hero, you are making decisions. Um, and at the same time, enhancing your relationship with yourself, uh, with nature, with your power animals, all of these things come forward in this platform. And it's awesome. Uh, if it's something you've ever wanted to try to connect to and, um, you know, have have a great Dungeons and Dragons kind of experience or video game experience, but also empower your own meditations and journeys and experiences. Inner Realms Journey is where you want to go for that. And I know they, I think they have a free one week trial on there that takes you through the basic preparations and how to ground, how to tap into the energy of the earth and, and use that to travel into these different realms. It's, it's really amazing. So this was, the art was all done by the, one of the owners of the system, Aaron Pine. And um, this is his, that's the company logo, but um, this is the Bifrost, the uh, rainbow bridge that connects us to all of the realms from Mythgard. Into realms. I'll have to look into that. I'll look at their site. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I've been uh, working with them, helping them uh, as a focus group and so forth for over a year now, and it's phenomenal. You know, every every month that they charge you for being on there, um, which is unbelievably reasonable. I think it's like five six bucks a month. Um, they donate money to plant a tree. And so there's all of these beautiful benefits and learning to be connected with nature. And um, at the same time, working, working with yourself, working with your, your guides, with the other entities that in the invisible realms, the unseen. Hmm. Awesome. Christine, do some runes resonate with women more than men and vice versa, such as tarot cards do and, could have different meanings for the sitter and the reading. That's yeah, they could. Absolutely. Um, a, a lot of that may come into place uh, if you do spreads or not. You know, some people will choose what I've learned from this tarot class is you can choose a, uh, a signifier card, I believe they call it. And that may represent the person that's being read for. If you are an expecting mother, Burkana might be a really great choice. It, the idea, it looks like a bee and it has the engorged breasts. It has the pregnant belly on it. So that may be a representation of that, that mother rune. Um, you may use Thurzaz for someone who uh, is going through military PTSD sort of experience um, or has a lot of, maybe a male that has a lot of physical strength. Urus would be a great choice. Um, trying to think of another one. Perthro is another rune that is said to represent uh, feminist, or not feminist, but femininity and that connection with, with women as well. Um, Hagalaz, to me, has a lot of connections to Hell. And Hell is the daughter of Loki and Angraboda. She's the, the goddess that oversees the underworld. And she's this nurturing, loving, um, not parent, but somebody that you can go to and, you know, rest your head in her lap and everything's okay. So it has that mothering feminine kind of energy behind it. Hope that answers your questions. 
But a lot of it comes down, you may have runes that might be seen as masculine resonating with you. Uh, Ingvaz is a great example. There's two forms of Ingvaz. There's the diamond shape that comes from the Elder Futh arc um, that is more feminine and represents the birth canal and, and the seed that comes forth. And then there's the masculine version, which is like two X's stacked on top of each other. And that's from the Anglo-Saxon. And it's more phallic. It has more of that finished product, that shaft of wheat afterwards. But they still hold the same energy, the same room. So. I'm so pleased, Alex, I made you get Jared as a guest on your show, because he is awesome. There you go. Thank you. Well, Glad to be here. I appreciate it. Well, any more questions, guys? We've got a little while. Rowan, your energy is amazing. Thank you so much. Well, that's what we like to see. Yeah. Plenty of uh, compliments. Um, I, yeah, I mean, again, as I said before, I've learned something tonight. Um, I, I'm going to have to give this a go because... Uh, Doing what I do, yeah, is, is good. It's, I suppose it's, I suppose it's, it just happens. And yeah. obviously you have to work on it, but. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I try to do something maybe different because um, you made it sound a little bit, well, it's not easy. <laughs> but, it's a lot of uh, reading between the lines, you know, yeah, when you think yeah. about, um, we'll use Fehu as an example to kind of give you, an idea of how to decipher and work with these mm -hmm. if you're you're interested in moving in that. Fehu is the rune when you get your little booklet that comes out, it's going to say cattle or wealth. Uh -huh. What do you do with that? Especially, you know, okay, wealth, money, maybe, but where's this cattle? What does that mean? You know, mm -hmm. well, it could mean following a herd mentality. Could could have something to do with that. Well, but when it gets down to it, if you had cattle, then you had money, you had movable wealth that you could take from one place to another. So there's an element of liquid wealth, liquid energy, and that's where we get the concept of money from. Now, if you don't take care of that money, it dies. If you don't take care of your cows, if you don't take care of your cattle, it dies. Also, you might have too much milk. Well, then your milk spoils. So it's a good idea to give some of that away. So there are, that's kind of how you have to read between those, those lines. I've heard that somewhere before. And it weren't, weren't the runes about the cattle. Mm -hmm. Well, it might have been the runes. We'll go back a long time. But that, yeah, it's just remember. But that's how you have to, to kind of look through yeah. it. It's also important to understand um, those old cultures. Uh, mm -hmm. The gabo is the rune of the gift. Well, what does that mean? Well, back in the day, back in Scandinavian culture, Germanic culture, and also parts of the, the UK, now UK, the aspect of giving a gift when you meet someone or do something for someone was important. So this gifting cycle, if, and we see it with in modern culture with Santa Claus, if you want him to leave you gifts, will you leave him milk and cookies? Um, just, we also see it today. If somebody invites you over to their home for dinner, you may bring a bottle of wine, a gift for a gift. So this concept of energy exchange is what's truly important, not necessarily the gift aspect of Gabo, but the concept of maybe you're giving too much or maybe you are taking too much and not giving back that you want to look at when you experience that room. Mm. 
So understanding that culture, understanding that history is really important yeah. as well. Fascinating. Hello, Bruce. Do you have a website, Rowan? I do. It's uh, rowanwolfrunecraft.com. Um, although the times that are listed on there to book sessions and so forth are all done in Eastern time and built kind of around my work schedule because I, I have a day job as a professional brewer. But if you reach out to me through Facebook, um, Rowan Wolf Runecraft or Spectral Bear Healing, that's going to be a better way to get in touch with me if you're overseas from, from where I am. Do you want to write that up, Elaine? <laughs> I can't she's type good. otherwise I'd put it up there. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't. <laughs> she, she's good at this. Awesome. Thank you. I, I can't. I can't. Uh bit too slow just go over um, it again what was it <laughs> uh, rowanwolfrunecraft.com is the main website and then uh on facebook rowanwolfrunecraft or uh spectral bear healing would be the other one to reach out and i saw somebody mentioned uh something about gifting for shamans and yeah absolutely that concept of a gift for a gift is is important money isn't necessarily what it's what it's all about our our neighbor oh. uh provides me with eggs in return, I get him beer. <laughs> so, you know, it's, instead of paying for, for that in cash, you know, we each offer something that the other person doesn't have. And there's value behind that. And that's what's important. Funny, you know, if we go into this cashless society that people are talking about, that's what we'd be doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We'd be going back to the, what they call bartering. Trade, yeah, trade and barter. And, and ever since I learned about that in elementary school, I was always like, why are we not doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just makes way more sense. The thing is, I'm not much good at anything. I don't know what I'll be doing. But, well, we um, become, don't, don't say yourself short. You know, that's if you are if you have the ability to, to speak, to write music, um, you mm -hmm. know, these things, writing somebody a song, reciting them a poem that you wrote about them is just as much of value that... No, you know, I'll say about you know, practical stuff when they say... Mm -hmm. You can have this if you paint my fence or something, you know, that sort of thing. I was thinking, yeah. Absolutely. But I, people talk about this cashless society, but that's where I think we'll go. If this happens, we will be going back to those days, I think. Soon enough. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't really want to go down that route anyway. Um, all these conspiracy theories and whatever. Wendy, I've heard of nine stone witches' runes. Are these a more modern version? You know, I keep hearing that popping up more and more. Um, I should probably take initiative and look into those. I just haven't. Um, I believe I've seen them a couple times. It's some of them, if I remember correctly, I believe some of them are, I think like Tyvaz is in there, Algies is, is one that's in there. And then there's uh, maybe some Sanskrit symbols. And then I think there might be some Aham symbols. It, it, they, to me, come across as something very jumbled. It doesn't mean that it's invalid. People experience that energy as they experience it. So I'm not invalidating that by any means. Uh, I'm just not familiar with them enough to, to speak on them. Do you brew Budweiser? Hey, we brew a light lager, but it's not Budweiser. <laughs> so... Uh. Bill, Bill, he likes Budweiser. Ah, it's good stuff. I'm a lager man myself, so. Mm. 
Well, like, uh, but Budweiser they own Bush Gardens, don't they? In they Florida, Florida they did. Uh, I'm not sure if they still do. I know that they, um, when Gussie, who was probably the the best of the the Bushes, um, passed off, passed away, and passed the, the legacy over to his son, and then to his son. There were a lot of changes. The selling to uh, InBev caused a lot of havoc. Uh, if you're into beer history, especially the Budweiser family and Anheuser, there's a book called Bitter Brew, which goes through the entirety of that um, dynasty, and it is fascinating. Will they check, will they check in Slovakian or something? No. I'm sorry? Will they check Slovakian or... Uh, so there were... Bush actually married into the beer business um, uh, through Anheuser and then they merged in there and I believe he they were Austrian. Austrian. Don't hold me to that. They may have been Czech. So I can't remember. Nice stuff though. <laughs> Who cares where it comes from? Right. Uh, <laughs> Does the job. <laughs> so you're brewing you you brew like beer, lagers or yep we do a little bit of everything. Um and I originally got into food. That was what I went to school for was, was culinary arts and flavors and things like that. So when I got into brewing, uh, it was kind of that next step for me. And now I've moved into continuing my studies in herbal medicine through alchemy and okay. working with um, herbs and alchemy, which that form is called spagyrics. And it's breaking the herbs down into their three their three essences, the, the soul, the spirit, and the physical body or sulfur, mercury, and salt. And I realized that everything that I'd been learning about the herbs, about cooking with them, about brewing with them, all came to this point where I should be in life. So okay. it's kind of fascinating how everything kind of fell into place the way they should. Uh, she's done it. Oh, thank you. Taking some time. I was going to ask her, perhaps. You... And then, if if it's okay with you, I can actually post my links on um, on here as well after yeah. the end. So that yeah, please do. Probably please maybe do. a little easier. You know, put your your brewing links on. Put everything on there. Yeah, <laughs> the Tap Brewery in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. So okay. <laughs> Won't ask you to do that, Elaine. Nah. I haven't got a pen with me or a bit of paper. <laughs> no worries. I, I can put them up there, uh, save, save you the time and energy and so forth, and make that work. I'd even wind it up. <laughs> um, my house is full of horse figurines, pictures, etc. I used to have my own horse too, and I feed the foxes. And I've learned a lot about their behavior. So I feel my animal power spirits are horse and fox. Would you think the same? I think I think that you probably have a very strong connection to them. I, I feel that that's how they're presenting themselves to you at this time. And it would be a good idea to look into their medicine, look into the information and, and things that they have to offer for you. Um, what's the natural enemy of horse or fox? What is an animal that it really gets along with? Why is one domesticated and the other one isn't? Um, you know, these are all things and messages that and gifts that they have to offer to us at that time. I have to say that Leslie does spoil the foxes. <laughs> Bill, I tell you. I love she it. She does. I've said to her before, I've come around. 
we, me and Bill are going to dress up in fox suits because they get so well fed. Yeah. My uh, my goal right now is to get the crows to to recognize me and to work with me and follow me. And I've been on TikTok a lot watching these videos of people who kind of show you how to become friends with uh, corvids, in particular crows and ravens. Really? I'll have to have a look at it. I'm on TikTok. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff on there, isn't there? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I have to go and find it somewhere. Um, Wendy, I think I'm a female version of you, Rowan. Catering manager by trade, now doing a course on medicine. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, I love it. Well, I didn't know that. Did you know that, Elaine? That's first, um, did you? Oh, well, I'll say no more. Um, interesting. Bruce, alchemy is one of my favorites. Do you dabble with Hermes? I oh, don't ask me to pronounce that. Trisma gets this. I have, uh, you know, this, yeah, this, that I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you were on here or not. There's a lot of actual connections with Odin and uh, Hermes as well. Same with Thoth. They all have this energy of communication. That's that Mercury, that messenger. All of those entities were ones that were actually able to cross into the underworld and come back without having to go through all sorts of special practices. And we see that uh, in alchemy. And um, as for the the writings, I've read most of the Emerald Tablets. Uh, I kind of have to take them a little chunk at a time. Um, Paracelses, I've read a lot of his stuff and uh, a few others as well. I actually just stumbled across a page of all sorts of literary documents from the, uh, you know, the 1200s and up on alchemy. Where are we? Oh, you know, let's put your thing up there again. Any more questions? <clears throat> Any more? Any more? Ooh, yeah, I can definitely definitely try, Leslie. I just saw the, the question on there. What she put there? Um, she had mentioned coming on and talking about herbal medicines and runes. And um, one of the herbal medicine as a whole is is really, really an interesting topic because we often treat herbs as something allopathic. You know, we try to treat that symptom. And in response, we don't necessarily get the result that we want, because maybe that herb isn't meant for that specific person at that time. Maybe that it heals it for a temporary moment, but comes back because we haven't treated the root. We haven't treated the whole of the problem. You know, if we, if somebody's constantly has eczema and, and dry skin, excuse me, and we give them an herb for dry skin and it keeps coming back. Why is that? Well, dry skin is often linked to problems in the gut biome not the skin itself. So how do we go and work with an herb that would be beneficial to help heal the gut, which in turn will help heal everything else as well? It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, after this COVID thing, I've, um, I don't know, I think other people, a lot of other people suffered with this, uh, like rashes and dry skin, and they've given me stuff. Doesn't touch it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you find anyone out there finds anything herbal, let me know. Uh, I've made you some ointment. I just need to give it to you. Oh, made me jump. Oh, 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 oh
Oh, you've made some, have you? Yes, I did say I'd make you some. I've made some. Nice. Well, we go, well, when we meet over the forest, bring it next time. Then. It's only got three natural ingredients, but it'll help. Okay. Well, everything's worth a try. Uh, and to anybody out there that's, that's, that's gone through this COVID thing and, and all the symptoms that you just can't seem to shake off. But I think the, the brain fog is one thing, but this the, the skin problem, mm -hmm. I think it's probably getting better, but it's like four months now. But no, nothing touches it. But yeah, I, I've, I've been reading other people on, on the internet, make sure it's not just me and they, no. Hair loss and all sorts of other problems. Yeah. But there we go. Weird thing. Um, for hey. What have we got here? You mentioned Odin, you mentioned Greeks. What about Celtic gods? Absolutely. You know, and it's a, a lot of it comes down to the fact that it's all the same energy, it's all the same um, frequency that travels through these realms. Um, sometimes it's presented and manifests itself in different ways in different cultures, uh, parts of the world. But when it comes down to it, it's, we're all working with that same, same energy, just in a different perception. So I'd, I'll, oftentimes I'll just go with the ones that come to mind at, at that moment. Um, I also have a very difficult time remembering a lot of the Celtic deities, um, because I, just suck at working with them and really want to and just haven't uh, they actually have a stronger connection to the norse pantheon than the greco-roman gods do because of how they're manifest the celtic deities are all very human they walk among us they work with us and in the norse cosmology they do the same thing they're not these um, mount olympus sitting deities that are all powerful you know, they, they have flaws. They walk with us. We work with them. We don't worship or honor, you know, we don't worship them or revere them out of fear. It's, we work with them as a different tribe of people. And if that tribe wants to give us help and still isn't pissed off at great, great grandfather, Joe, um, maybe they'll give you some help when you need it. But in return, what are you giving them? And the Celtic pantheon seems to work in a very similar sense. Alavan, I think that's how you pronounce it. Soak in a bath of oatmeal water. Thank you for that. I'll uh, push it out there. I'm on your website. Can I ask, do you walk between the worlds? Uh, I I do. Um, it doesn't, I, I do when I need to. <laughs> so if I'm looking for information and so forth, I, I definitely will go into a deep trance for journeying. Um, if it's more of a self-discovery moment, I may use a guided or do something a little bit lighter. Um, but I do, I do travel. I do offer that service for others um, if they feel that they can't do it themselves. So those are all, all things that I try to and, and enjoy being able to offer uh, for those in need. Well, one more, because this two hours has gone quick, hasn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> Are you a pyramid person? Uh, as in, as in the sense, week. do I believe in them or like look at them know. as more than what they are? What, I don't probably, know. What, probably what they are. Yeah. Hmm. 
It depends. It depends where they're from. Um, I have recently moved into being very inspired by the traditions of the Toltec people of Mexico. And one of their sacred cities holds many um, what they would call pyramids or what we would call them. I can't remember what they refer to them as. Um, so I've been taking those journeys a lot and moving through that city and experiencing the, the power that those pyramids, that those temples uh, have to offer. Um, when it comes to the Egyptian pyramids, which I might think maybe is what you're referring to, Bill. Um, I believe that they're not everything that they're telling us that they are. I believe that they held other purposes. Um, and I do believe that the pyramids and these monuments throughout our known world do have a connection with one another. Whether it's divine intervention that was, you know, given that to everybody around that time, whether it was guys from, you know, the Pleiades coming down and, and telling people what to do, whether it was conscious thought. Uh, there are stories of, you know, islands of, of simians, of, of monkeys that developed a certain way to peel a banana. And at the exact same time, monkeys across the world in South America started peeling bananas the same way at the same time. So there's this connection of that thought, that dream that transcends all of us to become a reality. Well, we're coming up for our, our time, but this pyramids leads us on to next week. Nice. Because we have from America, Kathy Copiano and Brian Walker from uh, Portsmouth. And the connection is that Kathy when she talks about the pyramids or when we talk, we get a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. Either um, somebody trying to talk, growling. Uh, it's all been recorded on here. And yeah. sometimes on a Wednesday, we have a, a Zoom group. And the minute pyramids come up, activity. So there you go, folks. We got that. One of the next week, speaking of pyramids, one of the things that I learned the other day was um, there was a, a gentleman, I don't remember his name, a couple many years ago, a couple years ago, that built an organite pyramid in a high desert area or an area where there's not a lot of water. And within two or three days, there was water flowing around that pyramid. So there's also links to pyramids apparently being pumps and being able to pull water up from the underground and uh, nourish areas that need that water. So that might be something to, to ask about. Uh, Elaine, can you take notes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm going to write that down. Actually, I've got a pen and paper. Brad, you've got a pen and paper. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on and, and share the information that's been presented and given to me. And hopefully well, I thank, was able to thank, pass that on. Thank you for coming on, uh, Rowan. It's been fascinating. Absolutely. And um, I'm sure everybody watching us and who will watch it through the YouTube through whatever the week or 
whatever they do, which is the beauty of YouTube, isn't it? You can watch, if you miss it, you can watch it uh, next week. Cool. What, what, hang on, what's going on here? Jared, you should join us next week. <laughs> Welcome aboard, come along, son. We don't mind. Nice. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on next week, but I might take you up on that. <laughs> you, you feel free. Great Thank evening, you. always. Thank you, Jared. Please come back again. Mike, a really interesting evening, Rowan. Excellent. Thank you. Bruce, you're an inspiration. Bless you. Well. Yeah. Glad I, glad I could be of, of service. And, you know, to, to all the moms out there today, I know it's Mother's Day in uh, oh, yeah, Mother's UK, Day. so happy Mother's Day to everyone. Ours is in May. <laughs> Great way to spend a few hours. Might as well have all these likes, might we? Thanks, Alex and Elaine. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Alex, Elaine, and of course, Rowan. Ah, you want to be my patrons? Universal thanks, Rowan, Alex, and Elaine. Love thoughts. Well, I don't know what's happened to um, Vanessa. I know her, her daughter had a baby last week. Oh, nice. But I haven't heard anything. So well, we just see play it by ear, really. And uh, yeah, what can I say, Rowan? But um, absolutely amazing and, and very informative. Thank you very much. And um, thanks for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight and, and, and all your questions and whatever. And let's say next week we've got. We've got uh, Kathy Bryant, possibly Rowan, who knows? <laughs> we'll see if I can get on. If I can, I'll, I'll be here. Well, but... no, not, don't worry. No, it's just uh, someone, whoever's idea it was. Why not come on and talk about pyramids? It's, it, it's just a, a fun couple of hours on a Sunday. It is serious and it isn't. It's, it's whatever. Uh, and uh, as I call it, an easygoing chat about all things paranormal, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and quite a laid back, really. Um, anyone can come on. Anne Elizabeth Hendrickson. Ah, is Anne from Iceland? I know somebody is. Anyway, it's talking about Iceland. Sounds so. Uh, uh, thank you, Anne. Thank you, everybody. Well, I'm going to uh, shut this down. And um, again, thanks, everyone. And uh, don't go yet, Rowan. Okay. So I, I, I'm saying it because sometimes I do this and I cut cut you off. And uh, I'll see you guys next week and uh, have a good week. Thank you.